Welcome to Song Salad with Shannon and Scott. I'm Shannon. And I'm Scott. And I am a professional writer and your resident lyricist. And I used to be a professional musician <laughs> and your resident composer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought we were coming in with a low energy. Like I, that's why. Oh, no. Just keep it real. Yeah. Well, together, we, <laughs> we, we toss up a new song each week using, using a, random a random music genre, genre <laughs> and a random topic. It's okay. You know what? You take a break. How about that? You take a rest. I'll do the rest of the intro. Okay. Go for it. Um, using our proprietary, patented. Yeah, you come up with a word that starts with P. Panicky. <laughs> panicky. Uh, s- proprietary, patented. Panicky salad spinner. In, industrial, industrial strength. Industrial strength salad spinner. We randomize over 500 genres and hit the random article button on Wikipedia to get our topic. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, I guess I'll tell the listeners what we did last week. Yeah, yeah, you do this. Uh, last week we wrote a... Ha <clears throat> <laughs> ha! <laughs> Zydeco song. Yes, we did. Uh, about that oath. Um, yeah. The Oath of Allegiance, etc. Act of 1609. Indeed. Basically saying that you had to swear allegiance to the king instead of the pope. Which, you know, fine rule of thumb for some people. <laughs> <laughs> we're not here. Look, we're not here to relitigate the politics of the Oath of Allegiance <laughs> Act, etc. of 1609. But we kind of are. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, I don't mean to bring the energy down. Things are fine. No, you're fine. And I'm you fine. you no one can take your talents away from you, Scott. <laughs> they can only take your jobs away from you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic doesn't change that you're a composer. It changes that you're a working composer. Right. <laughs> And now you just get to put all of your uh, compositional energies into song salad. I know. I think uh, whenever I do have like lulls in professional composition work uh, and music work, I do make the song salad songs (laughs) way more complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So anytime you hear a super complicated song on the podcast, it means the rest of Scott's life is going poorly. (laughs) (laughs) but i'm having fun yeah oh boo i'm (laughs) uh i'm sorry for you (laughs) 227 episodes in one of us had to fall (laughs) (laughs) oh well we're glad you're here we're glad you've stuck with us whether this is your first episode you've listened to or whether you've been with us for all 227 plus the pilot episode which was episode zero yeah fun fact um we're grateful for you thanks for being here and thanks for supporting the show however you do whether that's just by sharing it word of mouth or um by donating on patreon patreon.com slash long salad wow getting all the business in the front we're like a mullet podcast We're a mullet today. Business in the front. <laughs> we're going to party, party in the back. We are. Okay, so let's find out what we're going to party in the back with. Yeah, let's see what's <laughs> in store for us this week. 
week as we fire up the salad spitter to generate our genre and topic. Let's go. This week, we're partying in the style of... <laughs> horror, horror core. About... About... Maurice Langlois. 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 Maurice Legolas is related to Legolas the elf in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no. Okay, horror core, first of all. Yeah. Appropriate for this spooky season. It is. I'm happy we got this. Yes. I had not heard of this. I assumed it was a metal genre based on the word core, but a quick glance uh, reveals it to be hip hop. This is surprising to me. (laughs) (laughs) Glad we know Uh, where you stand. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that like other blank core genres, it's like kind of about like the topic that you're talking about. Yeah. That would make sense. Cool. So uh, some sort of horror-related hip-hop song about Maurice, and how do you actually say his French last name? Langlois. Langlois. Yeah. So this is a very, very short article and okay. that, we, that we spun, and it's like seriously just one sentence, but I'm hoping that because there are two linked articles in this one sentence that we'll actually be able to like do a little bit more research and like dig dig into this a little bit more. Okay. So he, here's all I'm I'm just gonna read it. I'm not gonna define these words, but Maurice <laughs> Langlois, uh, who was born in January 1860, died in June of 1948, was a French philatelist who signed the role of distinguished philatelists in 1923. Mm-mm. I don't know what a philatelist is. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that some I had to mouse over it and look at what they are. So I'm I'm hoping that some of our mm. listeners know what a philatelist is, or maybe you are a philatelist yourself, but mm. we'll tell you more about it when we do some research on old Maurice here. Phil philatelist. Philate. Yeah, can you um <laughs> yeah, just keep saying philate over and over. <laughs> That's good. Well, professional philater would be one thing. Um <laughs> Signed the role of distinguished philaters. <laughs> I mean, crazier things have happened. Yeah, it's very, uh, very French, or, I suppose. Uh, someone who studies the Philistines. Mm, okay, that's another one. Um, someone who does philates to work out. Philates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was trying to. I see I've been spoiled because I know what it is now, but like I, I was trying to work out like usually fill in a word comes from Greek, which means love, right? Philo like, sure. Right. Is that right? Like philo dough? Like, yeah. Yeah. Love dough. No, not like philo dough. Stop (laughs) it. (laughs) It's like the love of something. Okay. Uh, in the same way that like a phobia like blankophobia is the fear of something. So oh, blankophilia right. yeah, yeah, is yeah. the love of it. Like I w- the only example I can come up with is necrophilia, of course, because. Well, there's a great. book called Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks. 
Ah, there's so. also mycophilia, which is about loving mushrooms oh, by yes. Eugenia Bone. Nice. Um, yeah. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, so what is this? What do philatelists, 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 what do they love? But I don't know what the rest of the word, the like atel, I, I don't I don't know what that is. Someone who loves telephones. That's probably it. Well. Anyway, we'll find out. We'll keep that a mystery. As we dive into this horror core. Let's do it. Mm. Ghouls and goblins and rappers. Yeah, this is a, a very interesting confluence of, of stuff. Yeah? Yeah. Halloween times. It's, it is Halloween times. Yeah, so we've got... Um, it's it's basically kind of what we thought, which is it's a genre of hip hop and rap um, starting mm-hmm. in the 80s, it looks like, and yes. like continuing into the ni- the late 80s, early 90s was the heyday of this, though there there are still groups who are considered sort of horrorcore today. Right. Um, but it's a genre of hip hop and rap that is distinguished purely by its themes. Um, and the themes that we're talking about are... Scary themes. So scary themes like yeah. the supernatural, the occult, psychological horror, violence, uh, things that you find in slasher films, uh, things yeah. that are gruesome and bloody and grotesque. Um, and you know, some of them venture more into like actual exaggerated violence and dark themes, and some of them are a little bit more like I don't know, fun horror <laughs> yeah yeah campier campy for sure. horror yeah 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 there's the the distinction is that a lot of there there are rap and hip-hop genres as well as other genres but that deal with that deal with violence mm-hmm. but the distinguishing factor of this is that it is not realistic urban violence from yeah these artists experience right. it's like a slasher film or like a supernatural like ghoul or ghost or some or lyrics that are inspired by like an actual horror movie like um like movies with Freddy Krueger and stuff. Sure. Yeah, the Nightmare on Elm Street Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street series. Right. Yeah. So this did happen in the 80s and 90s which was also kind of a heyday of these horror movies and slasher mm. films and uh it's also a time in American history known as the Satanic Panic. Are you yeah. familiar with that, Shannon? Yeah, a bit. Mostly from uh, like I feel like mostly I hear about it from like um video games and uh and also like uh, Ouija like Ouija boards, Ouija boards and right. um, Dungeons and Dragons and mm-hmm. like games like that that were considered to have some kind of like connection to the occult right. being uh, like banned or like widely denounced. Yeah, Americans kind of became obsessed with this idea of underground satanic cults <laughs> popping up all over the country. Um, a lot of like rings of pedophilia that were connected to these satanic cults. And I listened to a really fascinating podcast from Gimlet called Conviction American Panic uh, mm-hmm. about a 10-year-old boy who testified against his own father believing that he was the head of a satanic cult. 
and then later in life realized that he had brain been brainwashed by religious uh, therapists into thinking that was true. Um, wow. So if you want to learn more about how crazy the satanic panic got in the 80s and 90s, I recommend checking out that podcast. But it's really fascinating to me that this horrorcore genre coincided with that time uh, in this country and uh, with all of the movies that were being made at that time as well. I can remember growing up a lot of talk about like if a group of teenagers got caught like torturing a raccoon, mm-hmm. it was like maybe it was an animal sacrifice and they're yep. they're sacrificing it to the devil or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. Um, yeah, I I re- I recall, I recall. And also um I recall <laughs> there were certain kids that um my middle school who were not permitted to read Harry Potter because mm-hmm. it was satanic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. But this is not Pottercore. This is horrorcore. <laughs> it is not. It is horrorcore. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we, this is pretty straightforward. We kind of understand what this is. Yeah. Um, the style of the music changes as this, what's popular in rap and hip hop change. So right. like there's going to be a variety of styles. But yeah, this is pretty straightforward. So let's just get some examples. Yeah, well, let's start with uh, one that's directly connected to a film franchise, um, the Nightmare on Elm Street series with Freddy Cougar. This is a song called Are You Ready for Freddy by the Fat Boys. Freddy Cougar's the name. You know my game. Elm Street's the place. You've got the time. Listen to this. You'll watch the ride. Freddy Cougar's the myth. But Freddy Cougar's the man. It doesn't matter because I'm still rapping about him. So this is one that's a little bit more on the campy side, yeah? Yeah, the beat and the rap style feels very much like the Fresh Prince theme song or something, you know? Uh, But then the lyrics are, like, directly about this movie character, and a lot of them are rapped by the movie character, too. Yeah, Freddy Krueger rapping is is a little bit of a funny uh, idea. Makes him a and little you, less scary. Yeah, you you mentioned the Fresh Prince theme song, and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince also had a Freddy Krueger theme song. They did. They did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, called a Nightmare on My Street. <laughs> uh, and this was 1988, which was the year we were born. It was. Yeah, so if you, you know, there's a there's a quote here from the rapper Mars, who's another horrorcore rapper, um, who says, if you take Stephen King or Wes Craven and you throw them on a rap beat, that's who I am. So that's another good sort of distillation of what we're going to try to achieve here. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, what about one that's like, that's a little bit more like sincerely dark, I guess? Sure. There's a group called the Ghetto Boys, a Texas-based group um, who their most famous song that you would know is Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangsta. Um, oh, yeah, sure. They had a lot of horror core songs as well, uh, including one called Assassins, which was cited by uh, this guy named Joseph Bruce, better known as Violent J of the Insane Clown Posse, as the first recorded horrorcore song and an inspiration for the sound of ICP. So here's a little bit of Assassin's. My bed is the floor. It's been a week I didn't need. I couldn't take it no more. So 
Missy Lane at the grocery store. I waited by a car, she asked, want you in school? Put my gun up to her head and said, get in, you old fool. She offered her keys, cried and said, please. She promised not to tell and give me A's and B's. I said, I want your money, grub, and all I can sell. I looked into her eyes and she was scared as hell. I knew she was a snitch, I beat her down with my gun. Got happy with the trigger, now I'm on the run. An assassin! Yeah, and the um in the lyrics here, there is one lyric that says, um, but all in my but all was in my head was kill the bitch like Freddy, like referencing Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And it's very it's a very violent song, and it basically talks about this crime and violence and killing spree that the speaker of the song is going on, inspired by Freddy Krueger, but it's it's not just like I went and like I shot someone. It's like he had a machete and he sliced her up till her guts were like spaghetti. Um, Good rhyme. Yeah. So it's it's stuff like that where it's like really over the top and the gruesomeness and the sort of like gratuitousness of the violence is like part of it. Sure. And, you know, I, I should say that this article does go on to talk about actual real life murders where the murderers were fans of horrorcore or maybe inspired by horrorcore. And there was legitimate concern that lyrics like this were influencing listeners to do it in real life. Yeah. And I mean, there there is a certain school of thought that when you normalize uh, extreme acts of violence or misogyny or racism or anything, when you normalize it and you bring it into pop culture, it's going to make those things seem more possible to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think it's a little bit of an overstatement to say that like insane clown posse causes murders. Right. Right. Yeah. And this was also the same time in history when there was a battle in the, in the Senate, I think it was over explicit content labels on CDs Mm -hmm. uh, where people were getting really up in arms about like what could and could not be considered explicit. And if that should even be put onto a CD at all and whether that violated free speech and all that. So again, connections to history, contextualizing, contextualizing. Should we listen to another? Yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's do one more. Let's listen to uh, Insane Poetry and their song Twelve Strokes Till Midnight," which was one of the first examples of music specifically made to be horror. Yeah, and that song references like like they the first line or two they talk about it being like Halloween. So we're like already yeah. like getting set in that in that mindset in this song. So I think we should, since we're a comedy podcast, go a little kitschy (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe include what? some spooky sound effects like in uh, Get Ready for Freddy, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and figure out whatever Maurice's claim to fame actually was and how we can horrify it. Yeah, let's go uh, learn more about crazy old Maurice. <laughs> crazy old Maurice. Always good for a laugh. <laughs> hmm. hmm, how are we going to put our stamp on this episode? <laughs> we can fix it in post. It's fine. Oh, in post. Okay. Yeah. Uh, philatelists, philatelists, philatelists. Mm-hmm. Collect and study stamps. There you go. Stamps, postage, the history of stamps and postage, uh, all of it. <laughs> it's their thing. Oh, man. I'm really going to give myself a... No, I'm not going to say that. What are you going to say? I was trying to make like a, I'm going to take a licking for getting that wrong oh. kind of joke, but I almost said give myself a licking, and I don't think that's what I want to say. I don't think that's what you want to say. I also don't think you're that flexible. <laughs> So this guy was a uh, famous French stamp guy. Yes. Stamp and fan. Stamp fan. Stamp man. And when we talked about um, he signed the role of distinguished philatelists in 1923, um, this is basically like the who's who of the <laughs> stamp world. So it's an award. It's an international award, and it was created by the British Congress of philatelist called the philatelic congress of great britain and it's three pieces of parchment and the signatories add their names and what that means is that every year the congress gets together and they nominate and then discuss who should be awarded this honor Hmm. Um, and then i think they vote and so it's really just a big list of all the people who are considered important to philately is it always going to be just the three sheets or do they need to add more parchment if they keep going? I'm not exactly sure because they talk about it being like pages and on the first page there are, uh, they posthumously added 42 deceased philatelists who were considered the fathers of philately. (laughs) And uh, if you think that that sounds like overly uh binary like weren't there any women no there weren't um (laughs) at least not that were acknowledged by this body uh at the time there are now some women on this role um but there's a lot of people there's a lot of names on it and it's broken down the signatories are broken down by decade and so i honestly can't imagine unless they're printing very very small on these rolls of parchment Mm. And maybe they are. Maybe I should like, like look up a, a, a an image of this. Yeah. But I, I don't. I I don't know if they're adding more pieces or not. Or maybe they're just like really long, like scrolls of paper. <laughs> it's just so weird that they mention the number of pieces of parchment so specifically. Yeah, that it like has to be this three. It's it's very strange. Mm. Well, anyway. Anyway, Maurice was not. Uh... Not too far ahead of the time period when philately got its start. Yeah. It was really the mid-1850s that the philately craze began. 
because stamps weren't invented till the 1840s. That's shocking. It is shocking, isn't it? What did you do to send a letter before? You just, like, gave it to, like, the post person? I think you probably just had to, like, pay for it at the post office, and they probably just used, like, some kind of mark on it to indicate that it had been paid for. Yeah. But I guess that, I guess stamps are, the, the innovation of stamps meant that you didn't have to go to the post office every time to pay for things. You could just, like, kind of pay for them in advance. Kind of nice. Yeah. Still useful. Indeed, still useful. It also says here that uh, stamps, before they started being collected, were used for pasting wallpaper. Yeah. Which I, I, was I don't really understand. Without reason for collection, stamps at this time were used for pasting wallpaper. So I guess you could, like, as you received mail, you would save them to use the adhesive on them for your wallpaper? I guess. I guess so. Take a really long time to wallpaper your wall. It would take a very long time. You have to subscribe to like so many catalogs just to get a bunch of <laughs> mail so you could, you know, finish uh, wallpapering your powder room or whatever. Yeah, I got that crate and barrel put you over the edge. <laughs> so we talked about how we weren't sure what the origins of philately were, the word itself. Um, and we were right about philo, meaning an attraction or affinity for something. But then it comes from, um, then the second part of the word is atelia, which means exempt from duties in taxes, which forms philately, feel atelia. Yeah. And we were curious about this because I'm not sure how that exactly applies to stamps. Are stamps exempt from duties and taxes or when you receive mail that already has postage on it, that means that you don't have to pay Maybe for it's it. that. Maybe it's that, yeah. Now, I do like the older word before yeah. philately was invented uh, here. The, the previously used word was timbro, timbromani, which roughly translates to stamp quest. <laughs> yeah, so timbromani. And then the alternative was tambromania, tambrophily, or tambrology, because um, they were these were all um, French words. So not timbromania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not timbromania, tambromania. Yeah, but stamp quest. Stamp quest is very fun. It's less fun than laser quest, but <laughs> but the kids will still have a good time. Yeah. So this very important stamp collector wrote one book or a, a publication i guess i should say with a man named gerard gilbert and it was called uh i mean i only have the french name in front of me but it translates to like a catalog of stamps and mark and postmarks from alsace and lorraine from 1698 to 1870 hmm. which implies that before 1840 there weren't stamps, right? But there were right. something. So these postmarks. So someone would like maybe like with an ink stamp, stamp a letter. Hmm. So in 1926, the Fédération Internationale de Filetti. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. The International <laughs> Federation of Philately, which is shortened FIP, was founded. Mm. And international exhibitions of stamps uh, have been regularly organized since 1929. 
And there has also been, since created, a World Stamp Championship, which is still going on today, where philatelists and stamp collectors and experts can submit their collections of stamps and be judged by a panel and receive different types of awards for their collections based on how rare they are, um, if they fit a a theme of history or literature, for instance. Um, There's like a championship class, a traditional class, a postal history class, modern philately class. So like all these different types of awards that you could get for your collection. Wow. And I think we, I don't think we mentioned this yet, but you don't actually have to own any stamps. You don't have to collect stamps to be a philatelist. You can just be really excited about stamps. Yeah, exactly. Um, and do research or like be interested in like reading about other people's research. So there are a bunch of different aspects that I never would ever have thought of about stamps that you could be into, including things like the stamp design process, the kinds of paper that were used in different kinds of stamps, um, printing methods, the gum or the adhesive um, on the backs of stamps, how people would separate stamps uh, like in the in the role of stamps. So whether it was like perforation or rouletting, um, mm. overprints of the stamp, security markings, and then also, which I think sounds kind of cool, studying fake and forged stamps. That sounds fun. Yeah. Do you think if you win the World Stamp Championships, you're a stamp champ? I think you I think you are a stamp champ. And I think you um oh I can't think of another word that rhymes with stamp. Your brain is just enveloped with other things. Oh stop. Um <laughs> there are different branches of philately as well. So there's I and I just have to read some of them because they are just so specific. Well, make sure you read them to the letter. Oh, my God. You are absolutely (laughs) incorrigible. (sighs) There's thematic philately, which is also, which is like specializing in types of stamps that that are about or depict certain things. So Uh like birds or like ships or something like that. Okay. There's postal history, which is pretty self-explanatory. There's arrow philately, which is like specifically about air, air mail. Exactly. Uh, astrophilately, which specializes in the study of stamps and postmarked envelopes that are connected to outer space. Okay. Which Great. I'm just like, how many of those could there possibly be? Probably um, lots. Apparently lots. Uh, postal stationery. This one, aeronophilia, is the study of objects that look like stamps but are not stamps. What? Yeah. They... Easter seals and Christmas seals are are some, and they are like labels placed on mail um, during specific seasons to like raise funds for like charitable purposes, propaganda labels. So like things like, you know, maybe a political campaign or like during the the war effort in Europe in, you know, the 1940s or something, they would have sold like, it's not a postal stamp, but you like buy it to raise money and you stick it on letters. Yeah. Yeah, so there's um, there's a lot. Now, stamps were in the news recently. Tell me about how stamps were in the news recently. There is an annual duck stamp contest held by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which is a okay. government branch. 
And traditionally, it has just been for artists to paint beautiful duck paintings and <laughs> submit them uh, to get onto a stamp each year. Okay. Now, there was controversy this year because the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service under the Trump administration put in a new rule where in addition to the duck, you had to also include waterfowl hunting related accessories or scenes that illustrate the theme celebrating our waterfowl hunting heritage. Okay. So you can't just paint a duck. You have to paint a duck murder. (laughs) Well, I don't think they want like a dead duck, but I think they wanted like a duck with also a hunting dog or a decoy or a duck call or something like that in the picture somewhere in the same stamp in the same stamp that's a lot to ask for like a teensy tiny like two centimeter by two centimeter area and that's exactly the complaint that these artists had uh yeah there was a lot of pushback on this but uh the Competition went on, and the winner of the contest this year included a duck call, like, floating in the water next to his duck. Um, And he had a quote in the New York Times article, I read about it, that said that he really enjoyed his uh, win this year, but he wished it could have just been a picture of a duck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, the other thing about this that's, like, so wild is it's like, listen... Put the duck in the pic. Like the duck, yes, we love the ducks. The duck can be in the picture. But also the duck should be standing near implements of its own demise. Exactly. Like just you just make the duck standing by the rifle or very close to a hunting dog. Right. <laughs> Why did that ever like a duck is never gonna do that? No. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so that's uh that's what happened this year with the duck stamp contest. Well, really pandering to our waterfowl hunters in this country, I uh-huh. suppose. Who are also philatelists, apparently. Yes! <laughs> Four people are very excited about this stamp. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So, we need so. to write a horrorcore <laughs> spooky rap song about this specific stamp expert. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if we can dig up like a little bit more about like what some of the themes of the stamps at that time would would have been like what did postage stamps depict like whenever maurice was collecting you know sure sure we could make that our priority or we could stay on the ground with another idea (laughs) you're the worst person just trying to come up with more male puns how do you do it? I don't, like, don't understand how your brain works this way. <laughs> you did a little bit. I I said one thing about fixing it in post. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good. Thank you. See, I know when to get out of the game. Like, I, I See, know. my problem is I can't get out of the game. Yeah. I cannot. Oh, my gosh. Just trying to well. deliver. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go put my 80s rap beat together. Okay, great. I'm going to do a little bit more research about this guy, see if I can pull out anything related to horror, and then if not, I'm going to make some shit up. Beautiful. Great. Mm. Okay, so. Woo. Woo. I'm already Um, spooked. (laughs) Well, 
I mean, temper your expectations here. <laughs> it's a horror song about stamps. True. Um, so I, I kind of liked if you if you watch the um, the song by the Fat Boys, the one about Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Um, the Are You Ready for Freddy song. It has a kind of story to it. So like the music video is the three guys who are in the uh, hip hop group. They inherit. Uh, one of them inherits this like creepy old house from yeah. his uncle Frederick. <laughs> and so they have this like whole scene where it like gets them into like the reason why they have to like spend a night in this house before they can inherit it and blah, blah, blah. And sure. that's where they meet Freddy Krueger. And then, and then Freddy, Kr- they kind of go back and forth with they rap and then Freddy Krueger raps. Right. So classic. I like, yeah, classic. <laughs> a, B, A, Freddy, B, yeah. C. <laughs> classic story song structure. Um, so I I liked the idea of like setting up this kind of undead or like ghost that appears and also raps in the song. So if Maurice Langlois was going to come back from the dead, like why would he, when would he, and like what would he be rapping about? Ooh. So one of the things that I read in the Philately article was that um, starting in, I think in the – in the 30s, yeah, mm-hmm. um, there was a German philatelist who established Stamp Day or like oh. postage stamp day, and it's celebrated in a whole bunch of different countries now. And so I was like, well, you know, horror movies are always about like some spooky anniversary. So yeah, yeah. Stamp Day is like the day <laughs> that Maurice would come back from the dead, right? On stamp Day's Eve. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> The scariest night of the year, Stamp Day. And so I wanted to incorporate Stamp Day. I wanted to, like, think about, like, what would cause, like, a stamp enthusiast to, like, get violent. Uh So, like, I was thinking about, like, what's his, like, what's his ghost's motivation to come back, right? Um, And then as you wonderfully pointed out when we were off mic, I think, uh, that the FIP, the Federation mm-hmm. Internationale Philately or whatever it was, yeah. um, sounds a lot like <laughs> <laughs> sounds a lot like ra- other rap lyrics where you say you could say like you down with FIP, yeah, yeah you, you know, know me, me. <laughs> and like stuff like that. So I wanted to incorporate something similar to that. And then I also was looking up like specialized tools. I'm like, okay, well, if oh. not like a machete or something, like what's a tool that like a stamp collector uses that he could like hurt someone with? Ooh. So maybe a letter opener. Uh, I didn't go with letter opener, <laughs> okay. but uh, that is also a good one. And so, one more question before you read your lyrics. Um, yes. Does he need to make sure he comes back four to six business days before stamp day in order to get there on time? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have to get a he. You have to get a receipt so that you could go on and track where he is. Oh, so we can in, track where the ghost is before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it's extra. Whenever you've got your Ouija board and you're summoning him, <laughs> uh-huh. it costs extra to get the tracking. Sure, of course. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just makes sense. Um, okay, go gotta ahead. support the post office. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have like one character speaking first to introduce him, and then I have the ghost Maurice. Great. So here we go. Gather round children. I've got something to say about a ghost that appears every stamp day. (laughs) He's a Frenchman collector, a philatelist true. And he comes back to warn us what not to do. (laughs) And then we have Maurice show up 
and he's and like classic hip hop fashion has to introduce himself. Yes. Maurice is my name. Stamps are my game, especially stamps from Alsace Lorraine. Hey. Philatelic acts are how I got my fame, and if you know what's good, you'll say the same. <laughs> you down with FIP? Yeah, you better be. If you ever diss stamps, this is my decree. I'll rise from the dead and sever your head with the dullest <laughs> pair of stamp tongs this side of the Maghreb. <laughs> stamp tongs. Stamp tongs. <laughs> the scariest the weapon. Of, <laughs> yes. The dullest pair of stamp tongs, which are specialized tongs used for... Um, examining stamps without damaging them and then this side of the Maghreb, which is the northwest uh northwest part of africa which was often uh uh, which was like under french colonial rule for a long time so i wanted to like (laughs) bring that in too and then at the end he could say like long out or like he could be um like he could be dj mailbag or something if he wanted to like have a dj name or something (laughs) like that yeah Oh, I love it. Yep. It's very funny. Thank you. <laughs> That's my horrorcore rap song about stamps. <laughs> well done. Well done. And I, I did think of a title before you read the lyrics, and I'm very Ooh. happy to go with a title from your lyrics if you want, but the title I thought of was Going Postal. Ooh, so good. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Going Postal with DJ Mailbag or something like that. Don't we already have an episode about, oh, it's called Let's Play Post Office. Yeah, yes. So that was about that was, a game show. It was about a game show that had to do with letters. Right. And we also have a lovely loyal vegetarian named Vince who's a post uh, a postal worker. <laughs> who's a post office? <laughs> I was going to say a post office <laughs> worker. And I was like, that's not what they're called. <laughs> yeah, Vince is a mailbox. It's amazing. <laughs> He's a sentient, sentient mailbox. mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> no, wow. but um, but that was like we heard from Vince because he's been a listener for a while. We heard from him after the Let's Play Post Office episode. And so now here's another one for you, Vince. Hopefully right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. Going postal. I like it. Yeah, me too. So tell me about your music. So my music features a classic 80s hip hop beat that is made from that kind of like obviously fake sounding drum machine that gives it that 80s quality so here's the drum machine beat very classic yes and i've got a pretty repetitive pretty regular synth bass to lay down a bass line Then I have uh, some beatboxing just to break up the the beat a little bit. You know, a lot of times these songs will sort of have like an A beat and a B beat and it'll switch back and forth between them. And then like the rapping won't necessarily change too much over them, but they'll like just to have a little bit of a different texture, switch up the beat. So yeah. I'm going to, in some sections, use the, the beat that I already played for you. And in some sections, use this beatboxing. So here's that. I love it. Yes. Uh, I also have a uh, synth that sort of sounds like um, orchestra hits, which were those like really popular, like stab kind of synth sounds from the 80s. So here's that synth. 
Very good. And then I've got a couple creepy things. I've got a creepy low synth pad. I've got a creepy like uh, ambient texture that sounds almost like wind and creaking and then a thunderclap sound effect as well. So here's a little layering of those and I'll figure out where best to use them in the song. This is, I mean, you've created an atmosphere. I tried. And as you were talking, I swear I was listening, but as you were talking, you've you've left a pun on the table here. Uh, oh, no. And I kind of can't believe it that instead of going postal, you didn't say going ghostal. Going ghostal. <laughs> or like the ghostal service. That's pretty good. The ghostal service? It's, that's a good band name. <laughs> it is. So should it be going postal by the, the coastal, coastal service? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, or ghostage stamps? I can't even. There's just so many. Okay, so That's going good. postal. I thought you were going to say I left out the opportunity to say beat package instead of beatbox. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I would. I would not have said that. Okay. So that's it, yeah? Yeah, I think we're ready. Okay. This is Going Postal by the Ghostal Service. <laughs> a horrorcore song. About Maurice Langlois, a noted philatelist. <laughs> by Shannon and Scott. <laughs> uh, it's Step Day's Eve, children. <laughs> Gather round, children, I got something to say About a ghost that appears every stamp day He's a Frenchman collector, a philatelist true And he comes back to warn us what not to do DJ Mailbag in the house DJ Mailbag in the house Maurice is my name, stamps are my game, especially stamps from Alsace Lorraine. Philatelic acts are how I got my fame, and if you know what's good, you'll say the same. You down with FIP? Yeah, you better be. If you ever diss stamps, this is my decree. I'll rise from the dead and sever your head with the dullest pair of stamp tongs this side of the Maghreb. DJ! Mailbag in the house. DJ! Mailbag in the house. What a fun um, song for this spooky season of October. I love it. I love uh, any horror Halloween things that combine comedy with with horror. It's like one of my favorite genres. So it's just Monster Mash 24-7 over at the Wasserman household. Yeah, that's our theme theme song right now. Um, hey, listeners who are in other countries, I I want to hear about, uh, like, is October as spooky a season for you as it is for us in America? Like, mm. I know we have some listeners who are all from Scandinavia who have found yep. one another recently in um, our uh, Facebook group, Song Salad Podcast, Ash, the produce section, if you're not there yet. So, like, I know that, like, generally speaking, it's spooky because... All Hallows Eve is before All Saints Day, which is November 1st. And so, like, that's generally the, the like, genesis of all of this lore and stuff. Right. So is Halloween or Hallows Eve, like, a thing 
elsewhere? I don't really know. I think like yeah. it's become a very commercial thing because in America it's like an extremely like prominent commercial thing. But And like all other holidays in America, it's grown into a whole month instead of the day of the holiday. So Exactly. Uh, yeah, so tell us tell us about your Halloween traditions in our Facebook group. And tell us about your favorite stamps. <laughs> tell us about your are you if you are a philatelist, I want to see a picture of your stamp collection. Yeah. You can also tweet at us <laughs> on Twitter, which is where tweets happen. Uh, at Song Salad Cast. <laughs> you could show us your stamps <laughs> there too. Cheaper than sending a letter. Tweeting is cheaper than sending a letter. Wow, that's why that's why the post office is losing so much money. People are just tweeting. I just realized what the spookiest thing about stamps is. Tell me. Some of them are forever. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never die. Oh, God. Zombie stamps. Zombie stamps. Oh, man. I'm so glad we're getting you out of this topic. <laughs> it's maybe my punniest topic yet. I think it it truly has been. Signed, sealed, delivered. Your punniest topic. Hey, thank you. If you can think of more postage-related puns, please drop them in our Facebook group, the post the, the postage section. <laughs> <laughs> the produce section. Dash dash the produce section. Um, as we mentioned earlier in our oh, we were supposed to keep this a party at the back. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> as we mentioned in our business section, uh, we have a Patreon page if you want to support us there. Patreon.com slash song salad. And we thank all of you for your support. Happy almost Halloween, everyone. I realize we probably have another episode before Halloween, but we we'll do. just count this as our Halloween one. Yeah, because next week is a double salad bowl. So. Oh, boy. Amazing. Yeah. Well, until next week. I'm Shannon. And I'm Scott. And this has been Song Salad. Eat. Eat. Your. Your. Candy corn? Sure. Gross. I do like candy corn. Oh, that's the worst thing about you. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> it's not that bad. No, One, it's not. Two, Good job. Thanks. Thanks.